Alrighty, welcome back to the Internet Religion Podcast. Episode, is it four? We're on episode four already for season two, I believe. That's crazy. Uh, I'm Sarah, and I'm here with my amazing, beautiful, other half, Ethan, <laughs> all the way across the pond, as usual. And uh, we have a very special guest in the Zoom room today. I'm so excited to introduce you to her, Lauren Aquilita. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh my God, thanks for that intro. <laughs> we are great with intros. It's no secret. <laughs> Ethan's really good. Ethan's always coming up with some fun adjectives to like describe me when we always hype each other up. It's a good time. But thank you for, for being here with us today. Uh, just to hop right into it, uh, you've had quite a musical journey as an artist. You've released three EPs over the years. You got Fools, Sinners, Liars, and then your debut album, Isn't It Strange, in 2016. Uh, and then you took a break from music, and now you're back with Ghost World. Can you just tell us a little about yourself for people that don't know you and what this whole journey's been like? I'm so impressed that you know literally the whole history of my career. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been... Uh, I've been in music almost 10 years, which is so crazy. Um, and the first five years of that were um, pretty dark and, uh, and I like wasn't really having a good time. And then it's only in like the second half of my career that I've actually worked out how to kind of balance doing what I love and staying mentally healthy and not getting into a dark hole um, of depression and sadness. Um, but yeah, it's it's so nice to finally have like reached a point where I like love doing it again and I am enjoying like every day. I'm so grateful to be doing it. So that's really nice. Well, we're glad you're making music again um, after, you know, ending because you kind of stopped in 2016. You didn't make music uh, for a while. Did you ever think you'd be back creating music today? No, I really didn't. I really like I really was so set that I was not going to do it anymore um because it had just got way too much for me and like the way I was doing it wasn't right so um I posted this very dramatic kind of notes app uh retirement statement <laughs> online um when I was 21 which is so crazy and um was yeah I was determined that I was going to do something else I was applying to be a flight attendant um and got quite far down the road with um with British Airways um, and then the only reason that didn't happen is because I got an email from this guy Saul who's now my manager and he basically kept emailing me and trying to convince me that I maybe had a future in being a songwriter rather than an artist and I, that was something that I had never I'd never considered before um, and didn't even know that that could be an option to me so I kind of was like oh, fuck it I have nothing else to do <laughs> and um and started doing that and then I absolutely loved it and it like helped me to see music in a completely different way and not be so boxed in by my own like rules about everything so I'm so grateful that that happened yeah songwriting I think is one of the most overlooked parts of the music industry but it's easily the most important because it's literally the foundations and building blocks of everything within the industry. So I think it opens up so many doors that a lot of people don't expect it to open. 
Right, because you like it all starts with the song. So, you know, everything is built around the music, which is so cool. And I personally, from my experience of being an artist, like I always was way more comfortable being in the studio writing than I was kind of like touring and doing promo and doing videos and stuff like that. So it's like it actually worked out perfectly because I found a space where I was able to like make music all the time and be comfortable and not have to do all the other bullshit that comes with being an artist. Yeah, I, I was doing a lot of reading about uh, your career back in 2016. And is it true that Kylie Minogue had some something to do with you coming into songwriting? Is that how it got started? Yeah, so when I say that um, my manager saw, my current manager now, um, emailed me, um, the original reason he emailed me was because I'd written a song with his brother, who's a writer-producer, and um, that song, Kylie uh, wanted to record it. Um, and, you know, like nothing like that had ever happened to me at that point. So I was like, oh my God, Kylie Minogue. <laughs> um, and I was like, obviously she can record it. And I ended up um, going and working with her a couple of times and none of the songs ever came out, unfortunately, but I'm not surprised but seeing as I was such like a new songwriter at that point, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, I guess Kylie Minogue is like a big part of the reason why I'm here today, which is crazy to think about, but true. I think it's an amazing way to kick life back into it because someone like Kylie Minogue, the Kylie Minogue, saying that they want to get your music must be insane. And I just want to say this out there. This is me exposing Sarah. But when we were preparing this, Sarah not only pronounced Kylie Minogue's name wrong, but how completely. Did you say it? Oh, Sarah, how did you say it? <laughs> I think I just said Kylie Minogue without like the G. I think I played with the silent G. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I... <laughs> That's what I thought you were gonna yeah. say. Ethan is exposing me. I'm sorry, I'm American. I did not know how to pronounce that correctly. Ethan was like, how dare you? He was like, you better not come on this recording and say it like that. And I was like, okay. We forgive you, we forgive you Sarah. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank the, you. The Carly Minogue. I, I forgive you now, but you need to repent on America's behalf. I will. <laughs> because Carly Minogue's a legend. I will let it be known. <laughs> I will. My apologies, yeah. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> She really um, is. And I really took it as like this sign from the universe that I was like, it was like this like beacon of hope that maybe like m music was for me. Maybe I was supposed to do it. So Kylie is like a w in a weird way, an angel or something. <laughs> I love that. Who knew? Who knew Kylie Minogue was an angel, guardian angel in disguise? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so going into your writing, what does that writing process look like? You've worked with so many artists. You got Livio O'Brien, Fletcher, Demi Lovato, Blood Pop, like literally you name it, you've worked with them. How does that come about? Do they contact you? Do you contact them? Like, can you tell us a little about that? It's such a weird process. Um, I felt like the first year and a half, two years of, of writing was like, me just kind of earning my stripes and um, I would literally go in with anybody who would have me in a session. So there was just like a lot of like, a lot of different kind of random artists from all different kinds of genres. Um, no one particularly like big at that point because I was literally had no idea what I was doing. And I also felt like I needed to 
like because I had been an artist signed to a major label and I people like knew my name around the music industry and stuff I felt like I had to kind of like rewrite the narrative for myself for like the first two years and get people to trust me as a songwriter rather than like oh isn't that just the girl who like you know had a record deal and it didn't work out for her kind of thing um so I think like the first two years was a lot of that and then um it was actually Fletcher who was the first artist who like really like believed in me as a writer and she heard a song that I had written um and she wanted to record it um, and this was before I even had like a publishing deal. I don't think actually, I don't think she was signed yet at that point either. Um, but she heard that the song, uh, and crazily, this song still hasn't come out. This was like four years ago. Um, mm-hmm. the, the song still hasn't come out, but I think it is going to come out, which is so crazy, like how long it can take. Um, but yeah, she heard this song and then she, through that, like invited me to come and work with her. Um, and then... Uh, that song I Believe You that I did with her was like that was like my first like cut as a writer I would say um, and from there like you know any a couple of people who heard that song wanted to work with me and then it's a lot of like other artists just hearing a song you've done and being like who did that I want to work with them um, or you know sometimes you know it's just like my manager or my publisher just like really fighting to get me in with somebody because I'm like a big fan of them and they'll just like push me on them <laughs> until they say yes so it's like it's different every time but um I just I, I love working with artists who like have such a like sense of themselves and who they are and they like know what they want to say it like it makes my job a lot easier as a as a writer um and also because I never want to go in and like strong arm somebody into doing something they don't want to do, you know? So it's quite important for me that like whoever, whichever artist I'm working with, like, uh, you know, has their own vision, but also is open to me, like helping them. And um, it's hard to find that balance sometimes. So there's a lot of, within the music industry, there's a lot of people just like trialing out different relationships, trying to find who their people are. Um, and that's kind of how you end up doing, you know, five days a week, different sessions every day um, until you kind of find those people that you, you really click with. Yeah, that, that shared power almost, because you are such a powerful artist in your own right. And you have full reins on who you want to be, what you want to do and how you want to be perceived which I guess is what makes your music so powerful and the songs you write so powerful because it's just this mutual. Yeah, no, it's true. Like even giving up music as much as stopping that, it's sad, but the power and resilience that shows, it's inspiring to like such an extreme extent that I think it really reflects in your music and music you've helped make for others. Thank you. Yeah, I think it it, it definitely helps that I you know have experienced both sides like I've been an artist and I've been a writer so like I know what these people are going through um and I also know the way that like other writers want to be treated and and stuff like that so it is such a you know doing collaborating and like doing writing sessions is such a for me it took such a long time to learn how to actually do it properly um and you know there's so I work with a bunch of 
new artists who are like super young and like they don't really know how to do it yet and that's like not their fault because it just takes a minute to to figure it out and especially if you start off by just writing songs on your own in your bedroom you know it's like it's really scary to then just like be in a studio with like three strangers and be vulnerable with them and like be your true self so I'm all about just like trying to create a, a space that's like safe and comfortable for everybody so that everybody feels like they can like be their best selves because I think that's how like the best songs come about really. Definitely and I think that safe space is so important in music but how has this safe space looked over the course of the pandemic now these uh, studios can no longer be this collaborative space and you have to sort of disband a bit? Yeah I mean I I feel like I got quite lucky last year and I kind of skipped the whole Zoom writing session thing for the most part um, because I was I was in LA and I was only supposed to be in LA for three months um, but I ended up being in LA for 10 months because of the pandemic and uh, and luckily I was living with my boyfriend who's an amazing producer and um, this other songwriter called Caroline who's incredible and one of my best friends so we kind of felt so lucky that we could just work with each other every day um, and kind of avoid the whole Zoom thing and because we were working together every day um, we you know formed this really like safe bubble between us and um, we, we could make these songs that felt like pretty different to all the other stuff we've been making um and like doing that ended up we ended up getting into the studio with Demi uh because Demi heard uh, a song that we had done and wanted to work with us so like in you know in a way I don't think that would have ever happened if we hadn't had like the initial lockdown to just like for us the three of us to get so comfortable with working with each other and create this like incredible creative safe space that Demi could then like come into and like slot into place. That's incredible. I mean, not only with you working with other artists, but I mean, Ghost World kind of came out of this pandemic. Was it an album that was like planned before this all happened or did it kind of spark something with being, you know, stuck in that collaborative space for so long? No, I definitely like, I definitely at the start of 2020 had no intentions of releasing an EP like at all. Um, and then, yeah, we were just making all of this music and some of it felt like very me and felt very like special and important to me. Um, so it just, it really was such a natural process, how like how the whole thing happened. And I'm so glad that it did because like ghost world has changed my life in so many ways um but the main thing is that it's like you know I see myself as being a songwriter as like my main gig right like the artist thing for me is like such a fun thing that I'm still doing but it's like it takes up like 10% of my time and like writing for, for people takes up like 90% of my time um but the amount of artists who like I couldn't get in with before but like now they've heard Ghost World and like their fans and like they want to work it's like it's completely changed my life so and it's like the, it was it just came around so organically and so naturally so I think that like that taught me a lot about these things and like not, you don't always have to like 
you know, be fighting to make something happen, you know, maybe that's, if that's not like the right route to go all the time, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad that I got to release that EP and make that EP and I had no idea I was going to make it, but um, I'm glad that I got to. Yeah, definitely. Although like the pandemic, it's awful. Like we, we don't speak about it, but fuck, there's been some incredible music come out of it. And I think what has happened over the past two, almost two years now, it'll change the face of music forever. The amount of new stuff we got that really changed the game. I think it's an unprecedented shift that I think every single artist, writer, musician, recording, singer or what, they've definitely felt an impact one way or another. Yeah, totally. And I think like people just realise like, how much like they need music and like art in their lives you know like I think people have like a greater appreciation for it now because all of us are at home like being comforted by like our favorite songs and like our favorite movies or tv shows or whatever um and like people realize like how much they love going to gigs and how like how live music is so amazing and like I think that like going forward like especially like our generation we're just going to have this like incredible appreciation of of music in general and like wanting to support people that are making music um which is really cool for sure and i feel like your record like was so incredibly relatable and vulnerable i'm not sure if that was because of the pandemic you know being in there with your feelings but like the, the ep to me i was like this spoke to me on another level about especially like the theme oh, of ghosting you. Like, I feel yeah. like, because it was like, I mean, not every song is about being ghosted or anything like that, but you have like Best Friend, which obviously like tells a story about, you know, losing a female friend in a ghosting sense. And then my favorite song, which is Latest Ghost, my favorite song, Thank literally, I, I love that song so much. And I feel like for me, it's like the perfect track because I feel like up until now, I've been ghosted my entire life and I've never had a song <laughs> that like put it into perspective. You know what I mean? And like that song just like hits different. So thank you for that. Uh, oh, but yeah, thank well, you so much. I'm so was, happy you like that one. I love it. It's literally my favorite. Uh, but like, what was that process like coming to terms with these like very vulnerable stories with the Ghost World EP? Yeah, I mean, so much of it was inspired by that one incident of um, my best friend ghosting me at the start of last year. And then, you know, with the lockdown, I just had a lot of time to think about that. And I was like, you know, physically very far away from her as well as emotionally. So all of those things kind of came into play. And I was like, I just had like a lot of time to think about my past and like, people from my past and why things have like ended the way they did and I just like did a lot of um a lot of reflecting a lot of crying <laughs> and uh and a lot of songwriting um but it, it really like for the you know the past four years I haven't I haven't been operating as an artist like at all really um and late latest ghost was one of the like rare examples where there was just no way that that song was going to be for anybody except me. Like it was just, it was just me at the piano. Like I'd written the whole lyric out as a poem, um, like two months before I got any of the melody. Um, so I already had the whole lyric and I like knew it off by heart. Like when I sat down at the piano, um, and then I just like 
that that happens to me like once a year max where I like write a song and I'm like oh my god like this just feels like such a true representation of who I am as an artist and I feel like I've like I've I've done everything I wanted to do in this song um so I'm really glad that you like that one because that that one's like particularly special to me for that reason um and again, like, I just don't think I would have had the opportunity to write that song if I had been living normal life. I think I would have just, been, like, kept distracting myself from all of the awkward feelings that I didn't want to feel and that I didn't want to talk about with anybody. Um, and, like, having that space to just really think about everything and get it out in a way that felt, like, poetic, but also, like, so true to me. Um yeah, I'm just so grateful that I got to do that. <laughs> Thank you for creating such a song, because like I said, it it hits different for me. And I just, I love that. So I just wanted to let you know that I stand latest ghost. That's that's my oh, favorite. <laughs> thank you. And no, you can't see because my camera's not on, but I'm smiling so big. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, another track that obviously just came out, and there's the Muna remix of this track, Empathy. Uh, and oh, this kind of, we love Empathy. Muna. 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 Oh Literally, oh. <laughs> we are the biggest Muna stands, and I've been trying very hard to get them on this podcast. I'm trying my darndest because I am. No, guys, huge... I I am the biggest Muna stand. Okay, <laughs> like it's me. <laughs> if we want to fight for the title, I can meet you in a Tesco car park any day of the week. <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there. I've got tweets. I've got tweets dating back to 2015 about Muna. Okay, Ethan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. Well, what was that like, you know, putting out Empathy and then having Muna do a remix on it as a Muna stan? Oh my God. It's just like, I've been saying to people for the past week, like, do I just like peace out of music again now? Because like, <laughs> like it literally cannot get any better than this. Like, <laughs> like, should I just like dip out while I'm on a high? Um, it's so crazy. I can't believe that it's a real thing. I just like, I got um, my friend, my best friend, Matthew, who's also my PR now. Um, and he, I like use him. He's like the biggest music fan ever. Like he just loves music. And I use him as like a sounding board for pretty much everything. I like send, you know, I use him for like, to get opinions on artwork, to get opinions on songs, like everything. And um, he is the person who actually introduced me to Muna all those years ago. And uh, he just mentioned one time, he was like, have you ever, have you ever thought about asking them to do a remix? And I was like, no, <laughs> like, why would I do that? <laughs> because like, what if they say no? And what if they, you know, um, and I got really drunk one night and um, a little bit of liquid courage <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> And I and I ended up I ended up messaging Naomi on Instagram, um, and I actually originally asked them if they would want to remix latest Ghost, um, but this was like post Ghost World being released, um, and they came back the next morning and they were like, "Yeah, like I'm so down," and I was like, "Oh my god, like this is incredible," um, and then I was I was like, "Wait, like." this probably isn't like the smartest move to have like a latest ghost remix come out when I'm like about to put out new music. So I was, then I, I sent them uh, 
I sent them Empathy and another new song um, and was like, do you like either of these? Like, would you consider doing a remix on either of these? And they loved Empathy. They came back and said they wanted to do it. Um, and I was obviously just like freaking out and fangirling like so hard. Um, and also didn't really like let myself believe that it was a real thing until I had it in my inbox, you know, like I had the remix. Um, but yeah, it's just incredible. Like they really, they genuinely are my favorite band in the world. Like I've, I've opened for them. I've cried at the front of the shows. I've like, you know, danced and moshed in the crowd. Like I'm, I'm such a big fan. And the fact that they even like were happy to have their name next to mine on a song is just like so crazy to me and um just the coolest thing ever <laughs> yeah it's oh just Muna it's not only was the original incredible but to have Muna come on and give their spin on it and to have these two absolute powerhouses collaborate on this song creates such a powerhouse of a song and it's been on repeat non-stop I love it Oh, thank you. I'm so happy you like it. Well, talking about like standing, I mean, part of this podcast, you know, came together because me and Ethan are music stands. So who else do you stand other than like Muna? Who would you love to work with or who have you just fangirled over growing up in, in the music industry? Oh, my God. This is the problem. It's like I, I fangirl over everyone. And I say this to my manager all the time, like, I'm too much of a fangirl to work in the music industry. Like, I feel like I'm always on the edge of like fucking shit up. You know what I mean? Because I'll like, I'll like be in a session with someone that I like, I'm such a fan of and then like have to like really try not to like sing their other songs in front of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like not make it weird. <laughs> um, but I have been, I think like my longest, my longest fandom um i think there's two i think taylor swift is one um and i think lady gaga is the other um i have been lucky enough to meet taylor and open for taylor on tour um which was an insane experience um but i've never met or come close to gaga so that's like definitely an ultimate dream of mine would be to like work with Gaga or even just meet Gaga just like tell her how much she's impacted my life and like encouraged me to follow my dreams um I love her so much like I literally will like cry when she releases like a new music video or something like that like I'm just so obsessed with her <laughs> I'm not surprised she's such a powerhouse honestly uh, haven't you worked with Blood Pop? If so, we should try and get something because Blood Pop works quite closely with Gaga. We should maybe right. so see I'm if we maybe, can spin something. I may be one degree of separation away. <laughs> um, I've actually never met Blood Pop because we, we did that song remotely. Um, and uh, he sent Rena the track and Rena and I um, wrote the top line in her living room while she was hoovering. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've never, I've never met him, but um, I mean, I'm obsessed with Chromatica. Like I'm obsessed with him in general, like having, having my, you know, again, like having my name on a song with Blood Pop was like a huge deal for me. 
Um, even more recently, like um, I had this song come out with Ava Max, um, who I love, <gasps> and um, and like Circuit, who this producer called Circuit is produced that song. Um, and even I even fangirl over like producers and writers. I'm like, I'm like, I'm on a song with Circuit, like who produced Wide Awake for Katy Perry. Like, are you kidding? You know? <laughs> like, I can't deal with that kind of stuff. Um, the, oh, the, the, I, let me just say it. Every Time I Cry is my top stream song right now. That <gasps> Really? I, I love that. I love that song. It, oh, Thank you. That, that's my, that is my song of the summer. The lyrics, the being everything. It goes so hard. Thank you. It's like, I'm so happy it came out. And like, my dream is to like be in like a gay bar and like hear it come on. You know what I mean? Like, that's like my <laughs> ultimate dream, <laughs> which hasn't happened yet, obviously. But, um, but one day, one day. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And may Here. I just mention the names being dropped in this podcast? <laughs> Rina Sawayama, people. <laughs> Blood pop. Oh my God. God, I know it's so crazy. Like I found Rena. Rena's like one of my closest friends, and I still fangirl over Rena. Like when I see a when I see a Rena show, like I don't know if you guys have seen her live or seen videos of her performing live, but she is incredible. Like she's like the pop starest pop star ever. Like it's amazing, and I'm just like I can't believe you're like a real person, and you're just like. So normal and down to earth. <laughs> I, I don't know if this will go in the episode or not, but I need Rena genuinely. When Sawayama came out, I felt like a shift in my life. That I love Rena so much. She's and incredible. She she is going to be the next big thing. Like ev- everything she does has such a different spin and an art to it that we've never seen Arena and we'll never see another Rena. She's incredible. No, I totally agree. And like what I was saying earlier about like how I love working with artists who like have their vision and like know exactly what they want, what they're trying to do. Like Rena is like the prime example of that. Like I, whenever we go in the studio, like she always has like a concept of the song. She always has like references for like what sounds she wants to pull from. And it always, like the idea always sounds crazy, but I've like, I've worked with her enough times that I'm just like, yep, like, let's go with it. Like, like when, I mean, Tokyo Love Hotel is a song about appropriating Japanese culture, but, but like made into a pop song. I'm like, who else could do that? Like who else could actually manage to like get that lyrical content and put and make it into this pop song which is also like can be interpreted as like a love song like it's just she's a genius she's so good literally who else could take the marxist agenda and make it into a song <laughs> nobody else could do that but Rena. nobody our favorite marxist <laughs> oh, i am karl marx he's old news Rena sawayama <laughs> she's the moment <laughs> she really is. She, she is. is, and I was—it it, it just clicked in my head uh, talking about Blood Pop and Rena. So that it must have been Lucid you have done, right? Yes. Yeah. 
um, that's the one that we wrote in, in Rena's living room, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of songs you want to hear in gay bars, Lucid oh, People. That one, I did, do you know what? I was watching Love Island last night and it came on in Love Island. It was one of the best moments of my life. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I was like, this is exactly what we wrote it for, to be honest. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly. Read in the lyrics and you'll get why it was on the violin. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's incredible. Well, like, obviously, all these names that are coming up, I'm overwhelmed by all of this, but like you mentioned Taylor Swift. Like, we are all Swifties on this podcast. I'm sure every person listening to this right now is a Swiftie. What was your experience like opening for Taylor Swift? I know you're in that iconic photo with Taylor. And I think is Emma Watson in the picture too? Like, isn't there yeah. like a group of y'all? Yeah. Like, that's like, that's like a Renaissance painting. Like, we need to talk about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. I mean, that picture was also taken on my phone. How crazy is that? Like, I was the one who had the power with that picture. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Like, so Taylor... I mean, I've been a Swifty, obviously, like, since I was born, probably, like, even without <laughs> knowing. Um, she, she influenced me so much. And uh, I think it was, it was right before 1989 was about to come out. And um, I tweeted, like, something like, oh, like, th- like, this week is just like a long painful wait for 1989 or whatever and like tagged her um and then literally like three hours later she um had like quote retweeted it um and said like ah this is so sweet p.s i love the fool's ep and i was like what (laughs) and i remember exactly where i was when this happened so it was like it was like two in the morning and I was still living at my parents' house and I was downstairs by myself, sat in the dark and I was watching Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and I was also eating um, Nutella out of the jar with a spoon. The <laughs> um, and I had like my laptop kind of like next to me on the sofa and I had like um, tweet deck. I don't know if you guys have ever seen tweet deck, but like, I don't know why I've just like always used it. You have like these like columns for like the different things. Um, and I had like tweet deck open next to me and all of a sudden, like I, I saw out of the corner of my eye, like my mentions column just started going like, like crazy. Like I was just getting like loads and loads of mentions. I was like, what is happening? So I like looked and then I was like, Oh my God, like, Taylor Swift has just retweeted me and said that she loves full DP. Um, and I like burst into tears. I was like, oh my God. I, like it was like literally two in the morning. I called my publisher, woke him up and was like, I can't believe this has happened to me. Like, and he was like, what? Um, and obviously I was just like freaking out, did not sleep that night. And then the next day I got an email from my booking agent at the time and he was like, hey, like, just got this email from Taylor's booking agent. Um, she's invited you to um, perform at the London show of the 1989 World Tour. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, I was like, obviously, yes, like, we're doing this. Um, and then 
six months later the show we do the show and it's like the one in Hyde Park so it's like Taylor and it's like Ellie Golding's performing and there's like a few other acts um so I performed and like it went really well and then watched Taylor she was incredible and she was like obviously bringing out all of these like supermodels and guests and everybody um and then I was I was backstage after she performed and like she had her own like separate area because there was like there was like the main backstage area and like all the artists like had their own like kind of dressing room trailers but then there was like another area which had like extra security that was like Taylor's area so I was like okay like I don't know how I'm gonna do this but like this is my one chance in life to meet Taylor Swift like I I was like there's no way I'm leaving here without meeting Taylor Swift um (laughs) So I, I hovered, I hovered outside of Taylor's like security area for probably like, I'm going to say like an hour. Like I was just stood there and just kind of hovering about. And then eventually this, I, this guy sort of like came over and I could see that he was wearing like something around his neck that had like Taylor's face on it. So I was like, he must be part of her team. Um, and I kind of just like, said to him like hey like excuse me like I know this is crazy but I was like one of the openers and like Taylor tweeted me a few months ago and I would just like love to meet her and say thank you and like it could literally be just be like two minutes um and he was like okay what's your name I was like Lauren Aquilina and he was like okay let me go ask her so it turned out that he was like her tour manager so he just goes in and asks her and then he comes back out and he's like He's like, yeah, she would love to meet you. I just need to like see some ID to check that you are who you say you are. So then we had to like, and obviously the backstage area of this Hyde Park thing is huge. So then we had to do this like really awkward walk back to my dressing room, which took like 20 minutes. I was like just trying to make small talk with this guy, but also like my heart was beating so fast because I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to meet Taylor Swift. Um, Got my ID, proved that I was who I said I was. And then he took me in to her like area and there was like a big trailer with like loads of people in it. I could hear like loads of people talking. And then Taylor Swift herself comes running out of the trailer, like running up to me, like arms wide open. And she's like, Lauren, hi. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> like you're the one running up to me right now. <laughs> um, and we hugged and I was like, oh my God, it's so good to meet you. And then she was like, come like, come meet all my friends. Um, she like took me into the trailer. The first person we see is Emma Watson. And she takes me up to Emma. She's like, Emma, I want you to meet Lauren. Like, she's like an amazing songwriter. Like she's one of my new favorite artists. Like you guys should chat, you're both British. Um, <laughs> and then Taylor's like, Taylor's like, do you want a drink? Do you want a vodka? And I'm like, yeah, sure. She like goes off, pours me a vodka, brings it back. I'm like talking to Emma Watson. It was just like the most insane night of my life. Um, We went to, she was doing the secret sessions thing where she like meets fans. And like, she took me and Emma and a couple of other people to like go and do the thing with her. So she like, she introduced me to all her fans. Like it was just the most, insane experience of my life and um I got into an uber at about like 2 a.m that night um 
and I was like screaming at my Uber driver. I was like, I was like, you won't believe what just happened to me. Like I was just hanging out with Taylor Swift and Emma Watson. Like, and he he literally did not believe me. He was like, yeah, sure, like cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just yeah, I just went home and have thought about it every day since. <laughs> no big deal. Oh my goodness, that's incredible! Thank you for sharing that story. We're I'm living for oh, this. Sorry, I, like I got into quite quite a long like story oh, time. No, no we no are living our lives through you. We are all living through you. We're all having a fangirl moment. This is great. I love it. It's funny. Like I I don't know if this will be on the podcast, but I actually live in like Pennsylvania, so I live about forty minutes from where Taylor Swift grew up. So like, because she was like born in Reading, so like ever since like high school, me and my best friend would like go drive by her like old house and like go to all the places where she performed in Pennsylvania. So like, I'm sitting in in the homeland of Taylor Swift right now. Like my mom saw her open up for George Strait when she was like 16. And like my mom tells me all the time that she was like, oh yeah, Taylor Swift was just like in the parking lot, literally just selling like her CDs and stuff out of the back of a car in the parking lot for this arena. And my mom just walked by her because my mom was like, I didn't, I didn't know Taylor Swift was going to be Taylor Swift. And I was like, it's incredible. It's so crazy. But thank you for sharing that. That made our, made our day. And I'm sure the listeners <laughs> of that story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wow. But uh, on the, fl- like you're wrapping it up, but on the flip side, we talk about, you know, Stan culture and stuff. How is it like, you know, having all these fans, I'm sure you have Swifties listening to your music now. Like, do you have this fan base that you connect with online? Like that's how me and Ethan met. Like, that's what we love to talk about with artists. How is that like for you with having fans now? It's so, it's so weird. And I've, I've gone through like, you know, I, I feel like my online presence was like, when I first was started and was releasing Fools and Sinners and and that stuff, like I was so heavily on like social media, like I was posting every day. I was like replying to everybody. And I had this like really amazing, but also like quite intense connection um, with the fan base. And then obviously when I like retired, I say with air quotes when I retired um, and took a couple of years off, like, I don't want to say like a lot of people kind of like dropped off but like (laughs) but they but they naturally you know people like moved on to other things and I would say that like there are there are like a core group of people who are still interacting with me online and stuff now who have been there for like 10 years which is so insane um but for the most part, it's like a lot smaller community now, which I actually really like um, because I feel like I can get to know people on more like personal level, which I like really love doing. And I always operated from the place of like, because I am a fangirl, like I came into doing music. I was like, I knew what people wanted from artists because I myself was a fangirl. So like, I know that like people love having that like personal connection with artists and like actually being able to talk to them and actually feeling heard by them and stuff. So I always like tried to do that as much as possible. And I never wanted it to be like a, I'm the artist, you're the fan kind of thing. Like it, it, it doesn't feel right to me for it to be like one person, like in a position of power like that, you know? So, um, but I love, I just love interacting with everybody. I love, I lo- I've loved seeing like my fans like grow up with me. It's been like the coolest thing ever because, you know, we were all 16 and now we're all 
26 <laughs> and um we're all like at such different points in our lives but like it's going to be so fun for me to um eventually hopefully be able to perform the new stuff live and like connect with people over the new stuff because the new music is like the most it's the most connected I've ever felt to my own music if that makes sense so I just can't wait to experience what that's like with other people and to like see their reaction and hear them singing the lyrics back and stuff and I think that that's like because these songs are so like deep and they're like you know I think like you were saying Sarah like people can people can really like see themselves in these songs um which I really want so I'm just so excited to eventually go back to doing shows and like connect with people in real life um because the online thing is like amazing but I need that like human real life thing you know for sure for sure so are we gonna get a ghost world tour maybe like next year maybe, something like that maybe <laughs> fingers I really crossed hope so. <laughs> we hope oh. so too I'd, I'd love it it's so expensive touring when you're an independent artist like it literally costs so much money so I just kind of have to like figure it out what I can do and like what makes the most sense but like I definitely really want to do something so fingers oh. crossed we will be there I need to hear latest <laughs> ghost live I that's it's up there on my <laughs> list of things that I need to do in my life so manifesting that for us um Me but too. yes <laughs> Uh, to wrap up kind of this whole podcast thank you again for joining us but what is next thank besides you. maybe a tour like do is there any i mean you just dropped empathy but anything else coming up in the, in the summer and the fall that we can look forward to as fans yeah there's definitely more music coming um i've got like a couple of things that are like almost ready to go and um i actually unlike last year I did come into this year with the intention of releasing another body of work. So um, I'm hoping that if I can get my shit together, there will be another EP before the end of the year. Um, and I haven't quite decided yet if it's like going to be a kind of companion to Ghost World or whether, I mean, cause they do feel related, like the two things. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out in my head like what I want the experience of the whole project to be and how connected to Ghost World is or isn't. But um, but yeah, there will hopefully be another another EP before the end of the year. You heard it here first, people. Literally, <laughs> you heard it here literally. first. <laughs> World exclusive. World exclusive internet religion podcast exclusive sister album to Ghost World question mark. That's how we're gonna market this now. The ever the evermore to Ghost World. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the Swifties are gonna eat it up. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but anyways, thank you again for joining us today. It was a pleasure talking to you. You can we can find you online at what at Lauren Aquilina on Instagram, right? And Twitter. Make yeah, sure I got your that's me. Up, correct cool everybody has to go listen to ghost world if they haven't already and stay tuned for possibly part two of ghost world now you got me excited <laughs> i'm so pumped <laughs> and thank you so much for having me guys 
been so fun. It's thank you. It's honestly been a pleasure. As a host and all of the listeners at home, we cannot once say thank you for your contributions to music because oh. you have changed some stuff and have released some bangers that are up in my favourites. So thank you, honestly. Oh, thank you guys so much. That's so nice. <laughs> we are all Lauren Aquilina stands. We are all stands. We are so excited to see what you do next. And maybe maybe we'll hear some of those baby queen tunes that you've been working on as well, because this is a baby queen related podcast. We haven't brought oh, her up I yet. Oh, I really hope so, because we did some good ones. We Ooh. made some great songs. <laughs> we're, we're ready for BQ number one to have some some Lauren bops on there. I'm, I, I, I'm I love her. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her too. Oh, this has been one of our favorite episodes because we really got into it. So thank you, Lauren, for coming on. It has been our pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been amazing. And thank you to Sarah for once again being the incredible co-host. And thanks to myself for, (laughs) I don't know, for being here. (laughs) Thanks to me. For being a legend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. If, if Lauren Aquilina is calling me a legend, then <laughs> I am a legend. You are, Ethan, without question. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, listening to episode four. The future is getting brighter every day. Keep wearing a mask, keep staying safe, and we will see you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This is-